good afternoon, everyone, and happy Monday on this special edition of our Fireside Chats. I'm Lisa Stearns, and I'm here with Tim Cross, our Senior Vice President. This chat today will be addressing facility preparation on the Knoxville campus primarily um, as our students do um, begin to return to campus. Few reminders, uh, as you all know, be sure to keep your audio muted. Do check that because it really does help um, in the conversation and making it um, able for everyone to hear. Uh, use the chat function on Zoom. If you have questions that you'd like to ask, you can post them publicly or you can send them privately to me as well. A recording of this session will be made and posted to the coronavirus website. You can find that at utia.tennessee.edu. So let's jump right in, Tim, uh, with our students returning their return, uh, making their return to the Knoxville campus. There are questions involving the safety of our facilities. To answer some of these questions, I understand we have a special guest today. Yeah, that's right. So uh, thanks very much for kicking us off, Lisa, and welcome, everyone. Uh, it, it feels a little bit odd to be uh, visiting with you on a Monday, but uh, I thought this was extremely good timing to have this conversation, uh, and I appreciate everyone taking a few minutes to join us uh, this afternoon. Uh, we are really fortunate to, today to have an expert with us, and I mean that in every sense of the word. Uh, we're pleased to have uh, Associate Vice Chancellor Dave Irvin with us, uh, who leads our facility services group. For those of you on campus, you know how important facility services are to what we do. And for those of you that are off campus, I hope this conversation this afternoon will give you some assurance should you have to visit campus of, of what uh, practices are in place, what steps have been taken uh, to ensure uh, health and safety for everyone. So uh, I hope everyone uh, benefits from this afternoon's discussion. You know, this is really the result of a meeting we had last week uh, with our deans and department heads. and. Uh, uh, Dave Irvin was kind enough to join us for that meeting and give us a good once over as to what's been done, what practices are in place. And at the conclusion of that meeting, uh, we all agreed, gosh, this is a message we think everyone would really benefit from hearing. So, uh, so we asked him to come in and do a repeat performance uh, and we're really uh, fortunate that, that Dave was willing to do so. Uh, Vice Chancellor Irvin has a bachelor's degree from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln uh, a uh, master's degree from Oxford University, previously served as the uh, plant operations uh, director at the University of Houston, and has been serving as our vice chancellor, associate vice chancellor for facility service, services since October of 2011. You probably don't realize that's a group that has over 700 employees. He's got a big job, a lot of responsibilities, 600 acres worth of buildings to uh, take care of. So we're really pleased to have uh, uh, Chancellor Irvin with us this afternoon. So let me just kick off, uh, Dave, if you will, with my first question and uh, let you make a few remarks. So I wonder, to get us started, if you could share a summary of the changes that have been made to our facilities since COVID-19 really uh, emerged in, in early March. Um, I'd be glad to, and, and let me start too by thanking you for the time this afternoon. I know you all have many things to do, and so I'm glad we could have this conversation together. Um, we've had a great partnership with UTIA over the years. Uh, I know that continues, and this summer and this fall is really even more a case of Vols helping Vols and us being teammates together as we deal with this challenging crisis. Let me walk you through some of the things we have done, and uh, We've done a number of things, both physically as well as changing our maintenance and operations. 
And in terms of physical changes that you'll see to the campus uh, when you come back, or you may have noticed for those of you that have been back, there's a number of things we've done altogether, not counting the uh, manpower, the cost of labor, we've spent somewhere between a million and a half and two million dollars on upgrades and changes to the campus. A wide range of things. So for instance, we've added uh, over 260 plexiglass shields across campus. Those are primarily in the high volume places, uh, reception areas, dining, uh, those kinds of things. We have another 380 requests that we're working through now and, and we'll get to a number of those perhaps not all of them before classes started, but a number of them early in the semester. The uh, other, another big job that we did was take a look at all of our spaces. So we looked at all of the instructional spaces, a lot of the common spaces, altogether over a thousand different rooms. And in each of those spaces, we did a new layout that showed how we could position furniture in a socially distanced way. We then went to each of those rooms uh, and our team uh, with blue tape, painter's tape on the floors marked out where that furniture should go. There's a, a, a diagram on the wall for our uh, custodians to know how to reposition that furniture so we can make sure that it's socially distanced and that the professors um, have plenty of space between them and the students to, to help in terms of that protection. We, did a lot of other things in terms of signage throughout all of the buildings. Uh, over 31,000 signs and counting. Um, altogether, uh, about eight and a half miles of material if you stretched it out from end to end. So we have signage on the elevators urging you to take stairs. We have signage on the entries, including uh, tent things that uh, say you need to wear masks and give you, uh, if you're new to campus, the rules of engagement, if you will. Uh, we have <clears throat> signs in the classrooms. We have smoky paws six feet apart in a number of corridors and, and high volume places. Um, you'll also note in a lot of the water fountains, we've gone through and taken a look at those. So if, it, if it's just a water fountain, those have all been turned off. If there's a water fountain and a uh, bottle filler station, we, we can't turn off one and not the other. So we've left it on, but we've put signage that that asks people to not use the water fountain, to use, just, just use the um, water filling station. We've done some other things in terms of trying to anticipate what some of the needs are going to be on campus. I know you've all been through academic buildings and you've seen our students uh, next to next to next to each other in a corridor, particularly in between classes, um, socializing, studying. Normally we'd love that, but obviously in a COVID situation, that's not what we want. So uh, we've added across campus, including on uh, at UTIA, uh, over 12 tents. They range in size from tents that will uh, seat 10 to tents that will seat 30. And we've included furniture. They all have Wi-Fi. So it's a place that our students can go or our faculty and staff can go that'll be socially separated and they don't have to be in the corridors. We've also, um, in the spirit of trying to have at least a little fun, if you can, in this kind of tough situation. We've added 75 hammocks across campus. We were already being told that those are pretty popular and I'm sure many of our students will like uh, that as an option. Um, the other thing that we're doing, as we looked at classrooms, there were a number of classrooms that, um, you know, could see a small number 
when they were normally classrooms, but when you do socially distancing, you can only get two, three, four, or five in there, which makes them not really viable for being classrooms. We've made an inventory of all those. We're preparing a map that will be on our uh, campus map and that you can pull up on, on the various apps that will show where those rooms are and that will provide a place for individual students to go uh, when they wanna just study or they, they have time between classes or maybe they have a class in person and then a class uh, online, it gives them a place to go. Same with faculty. So we're doing that as a way to sort of give people other places that they can go as we um, work through the situation. We've provided uh, over 1,600 portable hand sanitizers. They're all in a beautiful UT orange, so they're easy to find. Um, just for the product to initially fill those, uh, we've spent $278,000 just to fill those initially. We will keep those regularly filled. Um, we've also supplied um, spray bottles and, and Clorox wipes to all the various departments, and we can continue to fill those for you as you need. Um, the other thing we've tried to do is to look at those high touch points. So we've added uh, or changed out rather over 450 water faucets across campus so that they're now touchless faucets. Haven't had a chance yet to do that in every restroom. We've concentrated on the restrooms that have the most public use that are on the first floors that are near uh, classrooms and so on. So it's uh, just one way to try to uh, make things a little bit better and not have to uh, use, use a, a faucet uh, in the normal way. We um, also took a, and a long answer, so I'm sorry for that, uh, Dr. Cross. Um, we've also taken a hard look at all of our building systems. And there's mixed uh, research on whether HVAC systems, for instance, can spread the virus. I think they're still trying to figure that out. Uh, we didn't want to wait to figure out if that was true or not, so we've gone ahead and changed out all of the filters on campus to a higher level filter, the, to an MR13, which is what the CDC, uh, ASHRAE, and all the various industry guides suggest. Uh, and we've spent about $320,000 doing that this summer. We'll continue to change those out uh, to make sure that, that we're filtering out all we can possibly filter out in, in our HVAC systems. Um, and then finally, uh, the other, Mother major change we've made is working with the research side on how do we how do we test how do we what can we do to um, try to know or have some precursors that we might have an issue and there's a lot of research now that shows if you look at the wastewater streams and and test those uh, sometimes you can and often you can find out that you have someone with COVID even before that person is asymptomatic and will show up in a test. So we have, uh, with our folks, added over 40 taps across campus so that we can monitor, and we are doing that now, the waste flow out of those. We work with KUB to do that so that um, if we see something, then we can go in and, and more closely focus on a particular building, eventually on a particular floor, and get a quicker indication that we might have an issue. So those are the things we've done physically, long answer, but uh, we've been very busy. Well, great. Thanks uh, for that overview. And uh, frankly, I, I suspect most of us are happy it was a long answer. That that really <laughs> reflects uh, that a lot has been done uh, and that some very proactive uh, 
exceptional measures have been taken. So uh, really appreciate that overview, Dave. So I, I think that that gives us a good uh, sort of snapshot of physically what's changed or been done on campus as, as folks are starting to return uh, in a staggered uh, rotational sense to offices, uh, labs, and classrooms. Then the next thing I get questions about is, oh, great. So we, we've got, you know, excellent facilities, but what's really important is how they're maintained, right? How they're cleaned uh, at this time. So I wonder if, you know, the other side of the equation here is uh, how are we maintaining uh, these facilities? Great, great question. You're right. It doesn't do us a lot of good if we take these physical improvements, but we're not doing what we need to on the maintenance side of the house. And I think I mentioned in our call last week that in some ways uh, the COVID crisis is an, is an accelerant of change. Certainly incredibly disruptive, not what anyone of us would want, but it required us as facilities folks to take a hard look at how we maintain buildings. We were already doing some of that, but to see not only how we do better in a COVID situation, but how do we do better overall? So uh, let me walk through that because we've made some changes there too. And I think that that will help us and, and provide protection for our, for our campus community. In terms of our building services folks, uh, a number of years ago, about four or five years ago now, we went to a whole new system of product and a whole new system of cleaning. Um, not because of COVID, obviously, that wasn't around at the time, but um, some of our residences were having students that were getting uh, sick. Uh, we had some mold issues in a few buildings. And so we said, what can we do to really do a better job of cleaning so we can maybe preclude some of those issues? We uh, adopted all of those products. And now, um, fortuitously, we've, uh, the CDC, as they put out their recommendations of what you should be doing from a cleaning standpoint, when you have COVID, it's exactly the kind of product and the procedures we've been using. So our day-to-day -day processes um, can take care of COVID um, and it's exactly what the CDC and the industry suggests that you do for that. What we've also done though is made a couple of changes on top of that. Um, first is we've taken a look at, at what we, how often we clean, how we position staff. And so, uh, we had already started a program of um, uh, total cleaning where we uh, restricted or changed somewhat what we did with offices, empty your trash every day. Some of, the, some of you have already been in that program. Um, and we've now rolled that out to the entire campus so that we can take some of that manpower that was used switching out trash, doing daily clean of offices. We still clean you once a week, but we can take that manpower and use it for high touch areas, extra cleaning on elevators, extra cleaning on stairways, on entrance doors, um, extra cleaning in classrooms. The other thing we've done, we, we've added 30 uh, building services positions and we've created a new team, a fourth shift, if you will. Um, as you probably know, much of our cleaning happened evenings and, and, and late night when, there, when folks weren't around. And in a normal situation, that's great and we'll still do that, but with the COVID situation, we understood that we really needed to, particularly in those high volume areas in those classrooms and those restrooms that are heavily used, we needed to clean them more than once a day. And so we've added these extra people so that they can do that enhanced cleaning. We have, as you know, a little bit longer between class periods. Doesn't mean we can do every classroom after every period, but it does mean that we can now clean classrooms too. And if they're heavily used three times a day, 
which is something we didn't have the capability to do before, probably should have been doing all along. So that's a case of um, a transform, transformed new reality, if you will, that I think will serve us, e us even after COVID. Um, the, um, the other thing that I might talk about is, and a question that, that's often rises is, well, what, what happens when someone has COVID, when there's a positive test? Um, how do I know that you're taking care of us? How do we know it's safe? What's your protocol in that regard? And as I said, the, our normal product, according to the CDC, would take care of that. But we wanted to go to the next level and make sure that we were doubly um, protecting our folks. Uh, the product that and the system that, again, the CDC and industry is recommending is something that's called Clorox 360. We added this about two years ago, and so we have 10 machines to, can do that. By the way, because everybody wants to do this now, you can't get those machines. I mean, you can order them, but they won't be in until February. Um, so we've added those, we have those machines in place, and we also now um, have three teams of volunteers that have that extra training on how to use those systems. They have the whole hazmat gear. And so when we find out that someone has a positive uh, and has been in our buildings, uh, we, have a we have a way now to, through the procedures and protocols, to very quickly isolate where has that person been, what floors, what specific building. And we clean not only those rooms with 360, but we clean anything that would have been in the transportation path of that person. So we clean the corridors, the restrooms, the second floor, the stairs and the elevators. Um, so that all of those areas have been cleaned with 360 to make sure that we are uh, being doubly safe for our folks, um, sort of an, as an added protection. So um, we're trying very hard to make sure that we, we put some things in place, uh, continue to look at what best practices are as industry does additional research, we're, we're reviewing that so that we can make sure uh, we're on the cutting edge because this is obviously a really critical thing. Yeah, great. Good, good to hear that actually uh, in, in a couple of key areas, you all were actually ahead of the curve on this, and that certainly uh, bodes well for our uh, health and safety. So uh, glad to uh, have you share that with our folks here. Well, Lisa, we've got uh, an opportunity for questions, so let me check in with you and see if we have any. We actually do. And Dave, you um, alluded to this, but maybe you could be a little more specific. Um, someone is asking about uh, if staircase usage is going to be encouraged, how are you wiping down those rails and how often and, and um, just how are you maintaining those, those public spaces? It, it really depends a little bit on buildings. So the buildings that are more heavily trafficked, we're doing it more often. Uh, we're doing it at least twice a day. On the heavier traffic buildings, we're trying to do it three or four times a day. The, the product that we're using, uh, there's research now that that product actually protects from COVID um, up to uh, a week. So we think we're, we're that the protocol that we're using is, is keeping things clean. Um, we'll continue to re-examine that. Um, I sh I, let me mention something that we're doing too, because I, I didn't have a chance to. It's really kind of, kind of a neat tool that we now have um, to figure out how we deploy the, that staff. What, are, what you know, because the logical question is, well, how do you know which buildings are being used heavily? And, and 
what we now have is a tool we've worked with with uh, with uh, IT, and we can take um, cameras and cell phone data, not to track an individual person. Right? You know that would be a violation of privacy. So we're not doing that. But what we can do is use that data to determine how many people are in a building at any one time and what's the profile of use in that building. So it allows us for the first time to really position our staff in a way that's most effective. Uh, there may be some places where we thought there was gonna be really heavy usage and maybe there is early in the day, but not later in the day um, and vice versa. With that tool, we can now, um, we, we have a much better idea of how the buildings are being used and we can move staff around to those heavily used areas. Um, and if we find out that there's lots of heavily used areas, which could very well be possible, then we can, we can make the case for additional people to take care of that. So um, I'm excited by that tool. And I, when I talk about a transformational new normal, that's, that's a great example. Because even after COVID, that's, that's, a, that's a wonderful tool to make sure we're servicing folks well. Um, it allows us also to look at, at the hand sanitizer stations. Um, do we need to fill those more than once a day uh, if they're being heavily used? So um, I think it's a, it's a new uh, part of our arsenal that will help us uh, serve all of you much better. We'll still depend and, and hope that your eyes and ears will help us and alert us when you see things, but, but I think this will help us be a little bit more proactive. So in talking about very large public spaces. Someone is asking, how will you uh, clean Nyland Stadium prior to the game? Well, great question. Um, the, the good thing is uh, that, you know, Nyland is outdoors. And uh, the, you know, we, we typically do not have more than one game a week. And the research shows that uh, even if you have the virus, it dies within a period of time if it's on a surface. And so but from week to week, um, particularly the bowl, the outside piece would, would be, um, if there was someone that had a virus or there was virus in the area, letting it sit for that amount of time would take care of that in terms of the, the exterior. Now in terms of the interior, uh, the protocol there will be very similar to what we do in our normal academic buildings. We'll do a complete cleaning during the game uh, we will, we've already uh, figured out our staffing uh, to do things differently. So we'll have more staff in the building, in the restrooms, doing continuous cleaning. Typically, we didn't do continuous cleaning during the game. We cleaned before, we may clean just before half, maybe just after half. But now we'll be able to clean those railings, the entries, the restrooms throughout the game, uh, which is really when there's the most uh, potential issue for someone. And then after the game, we would do a complete cleaning. We don't need to do the 360 unless we find out that there's someone who is positive in the stadium. And then obviously we would do that same 360 like we would for, for a normal, uh, any other normal building. Okay, we have a question uh, where someone read an article about bacteria caused by standing water in unused buildings, um, causing potentially Legionnaire's disease. Has there been done, anything done specifically to disinfect the bathrooms that um, obviously may not have been used for several months? Great question, thank you. My, my, my zone maintenance people will be thrilled to ask that question. Um, yes, the short answer is yes. We, our protocol is that uh, weekly, uh, 
every all of our zone maintenance people and who's ever assigned to the custodial people separately each week go through flush all the toilets run all the water um do all you know use all of the fixtures in the in all of the restrooms including those that may have been uh not had any use during the during that summer or limited use. So we do that on a weekly basis. Um, and again, we have two different teams doing that. Um, not that we don't trust either of them, but that way we make sure that, there, that something doesn't slip through the cracks. Very good. Um, another question is um, sort of some advice, I guess, for those of us that uh, do return to our offices. Um, is it a good practice to open our windows for better ventilation? So this person is concerned about COVID-19 in the office air now that we've got more people coming back to campus. That's a really quite great question and a little bit difficult. I, I think uh, the short answer is probably not because um, the cleaning that we do, uh, again, the product we're using is good for uh, at least a week, probably a month. Um, and particularly here in the South, and particularly here in, the, in, in August, September, opening the windows uh, actually causes more problem. We get mold and other uh, issues in the building um, that are actually, that actually are worse and you don't really um, help much in terms of uh, COVID. All of our buildings where we have um, gone through and, and looked at the building's uh, HVAC systems to increase the amount of airflow air exchanges per hour, um, even in our, our older buildings. And so we, um, so we think that that increased air change per hour will take care of the, the very real question that this person's asking. So, so I don't think you'll need to open the windows. I think the other things we've done, the filters, the increasing the air changes per hour with the mechanical system will will take care of the COVID and you won't have the mold issue that we'd have if you open the windows. So in thinking about classrooms, this person asks, are new room occupancy numbers um, physically posted outside of classroom and meeting room doorways? They're supposed to be, I don't know if they're all up yet. So I, I'm not gonna say that they're all there, but they are supposed to be posted uh, along with a diagram on the inside that shows how many people are supposed to be there along with where the furniture is supposed to go. Okay. And um, someone's asking for clarification on the cleaning product that protects against COVID for a week. Yeah. Um, the, it's, it's our normal cleaning product. Um, again, we, we've been using it for three or four years now. Um, and, and we, we bought it or we went to it because it protected against other viruses and like flu and things like that, some more serious diseases. Um, and, and it's, again, it's shown that, that it has that, that, um, that ability. The research on COVID is still um, preliminary, I guess I would say. Okay, you know, as you would guess, we're, we're learning more about the disease uh, every week. But the, and so it's not been certified by, uh, by the CDC or FDA, but um, it is what, CDC is recommending and the research uh, shows that the research that has been done shows that, that it, it's effective at least for seven days and, per, and probably longer in terms of COVID. Very good. We'll give you a chance to rest for one second here, Dave, and this one's for Dr. Cross. 
Um, if we should be seeing improper COVID-related uh, behavior in the classroom or the hallways or any on-campus uh, settings, for instance, not wearing masks or not social distancing, how should we proceed? What should we do? Yeah, great question. Uh, I, I ought to just refer it to uh, Vice Chancellor Irvin here. <laughs> it's such an easy question to answer. Uh, you know, I think, uh, first of all, we, we do want to uh, encourage certainly everyone to, to do those, you know, proper behaviors that we keep talking about week after week. I think, you know, the, um, the right thing to do may vary a little bit depending on the situation. I believe if it's in the classroom and you're the faculty instructor in the classroom, someone comes in without a mask, uh, you should have some spare masks with you and you should invite them to put on a mask. Uh, and and uh, if they refuse, I think you can invite them to leave and, and uh, access the course material uh, in some other way. I think we wanna do it in, a, in as positive a way as possible. Remember, these are our customers, right? They're our clients. So we wanna maintain a good good uh, student success approach and attitude here, but we also want to respect one another and expect them to respect one another as well. So in the classroom is maybe a little more straightforward. In hallways, I think, uh, you know, again, it may depend on who that individual is to some extent. And I think, uh, again, approaching it from an attitude of, of encouragement and offering uh, what the positive behavior is uh, as opposed to uh, uh, threatening arrest due to a, a PPE violation, you know, we want to try to incentivize proper and positive behavior. Uh, and so I think uh, if, if it seems to be an employee, I would visit with the supervisor about that. As opposed to confronting someone, uh, we can do that through our supervisory channels, I think, more effectively. And I think the other thing that we are doing as a, as a campus and, and a university is approaching this through a, a really intensive social media campaign to encourage everyone to uh, wear a mask, to uh, engage in all these behaviors that we've talked about, washing hands, keeping socially distant, but in particular wearing a mask. So I, I think hopefully we'll have enough uh, motivation and peer pressure out there that those who aren't doing those behaviors are gonna be the ones that stand out. And I know I was across campus uh, for a meeting today. As I went over and back, I noticed every person I, I encountered had a mask on. Now, we're not back to you know all 29,000 students yet. We don't have everyone back on campus, but it struck me that, that everyone I saw was wearing a mask. That's been communicated frequently already to students, and that's gonna be the expectation. So I think we've all got to communicate that. We've all got to stick together. And of course, we all have to model that behavior ourselves. So I hope that provides a little bit of guidance uh, and gives, uh, gives a, an approach uh, as we encounter individuals that maybe aren't doing what we believe uh, would be in all of our best interest. Great. Um, so Dave, there is a question on the hand sanitizers stations. And the question is, why are they not touchless? Um, right, uh, for a very simple reason, we couldn't get touchless ones. Um, so, uh, and we will continue to look, but, um, we could get the, we could get the ones that are out there now and, and we had to get a lot in a large quantity. Um, so we felt it made more sense to get them out there, um, rather than wait and say, well, they're coming and they'll be here in December. So 
it was simply a supply chain question. Understood. And speaking of which, uh, the question is, how do we get replacement PPE supplies from your department? I believe there's a form for doing that. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to remember what website it's on. Um, but to make it easy, you can always just call our, our helpline, our normal 24-7 helpline. They'll take the message and make sure that it gets to the right people. So that's if you, if you can't find it on the website in terms of the actual form, that's probably the easiest way to do it. Okay. Let me offer uh, plans B and C for that as well. And thanks for sharing the, the direct line, Dave. And I think another option would be let your department head or business manager know because they have that, that information in terms of acquiring uh, additional supplies. And plan C is uh, let Joe Cagle know because he's got a good good network uh, and can uh, interface with uh, with our facilities folks and, and help to address any problems as well. So all kinds of options to make sure we keep things stocked and, and cleaned and, and uh, safe for everyone. So Dave, um, everybody here at the Institute of Ag uh, loves our beloved Mabel's uh, dining facility. And uh, there is a question and Tim, you may have to answer this, but perhaps both of you know if uh, A, when is, when, Will Mabel's reopen? And then the bigger picture, Dave, is how do you keep these dining facilities clean? Because there is a lot of traffic, obviously, that would come through many of the facilities on campus. I don't know if Dr. Cross wants to answer the opening question first. Um, <laughs> I'll be glad to. And unfortunately, that answer is, I don't know, but let me check on that one. That's uh, one I haven't thought about since mid-March. So. <laughs> I need to uh, determine. I know, of course, with students coming back that, that uh, dining services has to, you know, ramp up and, and be available, but I also know the focus is going to be on uh, packaged uh, or boxed uh, meals as opposed to, uh, you know, in-service in dining. So uh, I'll find out what the plan is for Mabel's. I'm sorry I don't already have that. If there's anyone on who knows the answer to that, I, I welcome a lifeline here on this. Uh, otherwise, I'll follow up. I do think uh, Billy Williams uh, said he heard next week. So yeah, that, that would make sense because our students, of course, start classes next week. So that would have, that would be my my supposition. But I I didn't want to. I think we need to check with Jeff Maples to make sure. Yep, I'll do that. All right. So I'll let you take the other part of that. Okay. Dave. So in terms of in terms of cleaning, a couple of things first. Um, dining is all the dining facilities are are some of the places where we have done. Um, quite a bit of plexiglass to uh, separate the uh, servers and the cashiers from, from the clients. We also will have a number of hand sanitizer stations in dining. Um, we, uh, we will, right now we're planning on cleaning all the dining facilities twice a day. Um, I don't know if we'll be able to do it more often than that, but that should be sufficient with all the other tools that we're using. Um, but it's obviously something that we're concerned about. We'll continue to monitor. And someone's also asking, um, will outdoor dining um, be encouraged or set up? Um, it will. Um, the, you know, the tents obviously will be available for that. Um, but yes, I mean, we we certainly would encourage folks to, to dine outside. And we, we all know it's safer outside. And um, we all the dining facilities have also been set up with social distancing, like most restaurants, so they'll they'll accommodate much fewer folks. Um, I should note um, 
that there is an app now so that you can make a reservation for dining. Um, and uh, I don't have that with me, but we can certainly get you that link or, or Jeff Maples or Aramark can get you that link. So they're trying to, to um, accommodate folks and spread out that usage a little bit so we don't have those same kind of issues. But uh, as Dr. Cross indicated, they're going to do a lot of grab and go kinds of things in hopes that folks will take them outside or take them to, um, to the hammock or, or somewhere um, so that they can deal with the, the amount of folks that, that need dining because we obviously are going to have to do it in a much different way. And this is probably getting a little more into food services, but do you know if guidelines will be provided to, for instance, caterers um, who might be going into off-campus locations as well? Yes, absolutely. Yes, so they've, they've been presented with the same guidelines um, in terms of protocols, um, wearing masks, how they prepare food, how they serve, all of those things they've been presented with um, and they're required to, to meet the same kind of protocols as we would with our, with, uh, our on-campus Aramark folks. They've all indicated that they will do that. We also, and, and we hope that that collaborative cooperation will continue, but there's also the hammer. If they do not do that, then they will not be serving on campus anymore. So they understand that. And so far, they've all been very, very cooperative. Understood. Great. Um, well, uh, believe it or not, here's one that is a non-COVID question for you, Dave. And that is, um, have you all had the chance to finish the fire door installation in Morgan Hall? I know, I think we have. I know we're very close on Morgan. Um, I haven't had a chance the last two weeks to go over there. I knew we were very close. We were trying to have that finished before classes started. So I think so. I, I always am hesitant if I haven't laid my eyes on it, but I know that our intent was to have that all finished before classes started next week. Yeah, I'm, I'm fairly certain it's finished on the first floor. I haven't walked upstairs the last couple of weeks, so uh, I'm not certain. Joe Cagle, do you know uh, if, if the project's complete here in Morgan? You know, they're working on it as they get an opportunity. Uh, where they've been working, where they've been social distancing and all the other projects, it's took them off of this one for a while, but they are still continuing to work on that and they've got still have materials ordered. Great, thanks. I think the majority of the, the larger portions of that project are done. I think the doors are, yes, in place. are supposed to be getting the, the finishing. They're going to be doing some finishing and stuff like that. They're going to continue to get that done. Uh, where they had to put the new doors in and repair the floors and stuff like that. And the, and the fire marshal has signed off on the on the actual fire door. So we have that um, that final approval. So as Joe said, it's it's finishing all the finishing work that's associated with with the project. And Dave, we've actually had several people um, hoping to get the information on the week-long COVID product, uh, protection product. So maybe if you can share that with us, that would be... We, we will. I'll get you that specific uh, thing. I, I might mention too that, and we'll, we'll add it to the document. Um, if you go to our website, um, we have a COVID link and there, there are two, two memos. One deals with what we're doing in terms of building services and custodial. The other deals with what we're doing with HVAC and zone maintenance and building systems. Um, and that will give you quite a bit of additional information. Uh, then next week, there'll be a larger document, uh, not as technical, but that will, will give you some of the chapter and verse of numbers that I, you know, how many shields and how many 
signs and all those kinds of things. So if you if you want or, uh, that or want to refer to that or forward it on to people, that document will be there next week again on our website that will give a lot more information. But in terms of the product, we will uh, we'll get that product. And what I'll do is uh, make sure that we add that to the memo that's on our site. Um, and then I'll send, I'll send you all the link. Great. That'd be wonderful. Um, so that's the end of questions. We do have a couple shout outs to you. Thanks for the hot water and uh, plant biotech. <laughs> and, uh, and then just generally a number of people just saying thank you so much for what all uh, your group is doing to help um, keep these facilities clean uh, during the pandemic. <laughs> well, and as I started with, we, we greatly appreciate your all help. Um, we've, we've, we've had a great relationship with, with UTIA and with each of you, and um, we really want that to continue. Please don't hesitate. If you see something that's not right or there's something that we didn't do, we want to know. We, we, there's a lot more eyes and ears for you, of you than there are us. Hopefully we're catching them, but um, please let us know where we can serve, not just in COVID, but anything in facilities. We're anxious to make sure we're supporting your mission and supporting faculty and staff fully. So please let us know how we can do better. Great, and Tim, do you have any final thoughts? No, oh, of course, uh, always got a few last words, uh, but most importantly, let me thank uh, Associate Vice Chancellor Irvin for joining us this afternoon, giving up uh, almost an hour of his time again this week, and he already gave up time last week for us. Uh, we appreciate the partnership. And Thank really you. appreciate your willingness to visit with us, Dave. I, I hope that the information is helpful to everyone. Uh, it's, to me, it's, it's quite amazing what has been done and, and what is being done uh, in the interest of health and safety. So really, really appreciate it. And I, I neglected to say at the start, but really there's two groups I'm aware of on campus that have really never left, uh, maybe scaled back for a period of time, but really never closed down, if you will. Uh, one of those groups uh, is facility services. They've been here throughout the pandemic, uh, taking care of our facilities, taking care of uh, the buildings, the grounds, uh, uh, our inside facilities as well, making all these changes. So really appreciate that. Uh, and it reminds me also, of course, of our College of Veterinary Medicine that's continued to work and, and serve clients and uh, meet emergency and critical care needs and now really scaling back up to, to conduct student education as well. So. Those two groups, I think, really provide a great example to the rest of us that uh, if we do things uh, wisely, if we do things properly, uh, we can uh, achieve our mission, achieve our jobs, uh, and do so uh, while remaining healthy at the same time. And thanks to Dave uh, and his crew, uh, they're making it safe for the rest of us as well. So uh, I'm gonna wrap up right there. I'll encourage all of you to join us again Friday uh, for another uh, fireside chat. So we'll have a completely different topic. Uh, I'll have an update on the week now that we're scaling back up again, let you know where we stand and uh, we'll uh, look forward to visiting with you on Friday afternoon. That's it for me, Lisa. Great and thank you both and uh, see everyone on Friday. Sounds good.